Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 48 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel, Peter Jones, Todd Widener here with me. It is the Harry Jakunski episode of the Average Cheese. <laughs> oh, man. Go ahead. I already it's know. Six, six, I'm glad you do because I have no fucking idea. There have been very few 48s in Packer history. Harry Jakunski w- played with Vince Lombardi at Fordham in college. He was one of the seven blocks of granite, and he ended up playing for the 39 Packers who were champions and the 44 Packers who were champions. Literally, he is the only one. Him and some defensive back in the 70s. Ken Ellis. Who? Ken, Ken Ellis. Yes who wore the jersey for five years. Wow. No one else wore the jersey longer than that. So Harry Jakunski. <laughs> Came in as a sniper on that one. I am never going to take mean, over to the Peter historian realm, but I did look it up on the Googles today. So Jakunski is probably like a Southside Milwaukee high school kid, probably. Well, like if that. he played at Fordham, isn't that New York? <laughs> so maybe he's like yeah. a, a New Yorker, Polish New Yorker or something. Yeah. Thanks to Dwight at DDGCustoms.com and the folks at RM Management. We appreciate you. We will try not to light up the swear jar for Habitat for Humanity. Maybe I'll go an entire episode and then just put $5 in, but I doubt it. Also, welcome uh, if you are listening for the first time. Man, I was giving away window clings like you wouldn't believe at nice. Packer Camp. I was just shoving them in car windshields and putting them in like the doors all over the place. I put where one was, up. At, huh? Where was where was the riskiest one? Did I put one up me, on the mirror at Kroll's across the street. That's so good. did Marcy. So in the men's bathroom and in the women's bathroom at Kroll's, I hope it's still there. I doubt it. They probably clean that every night. But right. I put one up there. While the guy was like washing his hands, he was just looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Okay, I just cussed. Yeah. And there we go. No more five dollars. Well, the, the hope, I guess, is like if someone finds it on their car, their first reaction is probably like, "Who the fuck put this sticker on my car?" And then they yeah. go to take it off, they realize it's a window cleaning, and they're like, "Oh, this yeah. is pretty fucking cool. Maybe, maybe I'll keep so- this now." Yeah, maybe. You know? I'll tune into this podcast. You know, I hope so. So, welcome if this is your first time. We we do this rambling, and then Peter tells a lot of good stories and talks about a, gra- a lot of amazing shit. And then we sign off. It's about 40 minutes. So yep. buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Strap yourself in. <laughs> and I need to move this swear jar closer because I'm going to fall over. I think I we've already missed a few of mine, but we can make up. Uh-huh. I got I got it. I think. Peter, let's start talking to you. Can you give us a little insight on the Randall Cobb deal? Because the last time we talked, we, they were talking about bringing Randall Cobb in. And since then, they have. What's going on there? I guess Aaron Rodgers got what he wanted. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, I, 
It, a six round draft pick sounds about the right value in terms of in terms of his value. I think the the interesting thing is pretty much how we talked about this potential deal. It was a potential deal at the time on the last episode. Was how does he all fit in with what's an already crowded wide receiver room in camp? You know, how does that fit in with Amari Rogers and all of that? And I guess we'll get to the wide receiver situation because I think there's about seven or eight guys that certainly have got chances of making the, the roster. And you would imagine that Cobb is, is a definite to make the roster. And we got him on the cheap too. Todd, did you see that? What what we paid or what we're not paying? They, they, they no gave cap. up like $3 million in cap. So the cap hit is $3 million? Yeah, Randall Cobb, and that was one of the things we talked about, right? If we we wanted Randall Cobb, but on the cheap, and really at a three million cap hit, the Texans are paying part of that bill. Then we did, we got what we wanted. We got Randall yeah. Cobb on the cheap. We got a slot receiver that can mentor Amari Rogers, and we got a guy that Aaron Rodgers loves. So if he feels like he won, like you know he got to play GM for a day or two, great. That's also yeah. a positive. And honestly, like, where does Cobb fit with the Texans anyway? I mean, at this stage of his career, they're, you know, they have, you know, this quarterback who's all over the place, right? You don't know what's going on with them. They're trying to get younger. They've gone through coaching changes. They've gone through so much stuff. I mean, where does he really fit in that whole picture? So they're probably like, if I'm the Texans, and the Packers want to make a deal like that, yeah, I'm for it. I think it worked out for both clubs. And I think it worked out for Randall Cobb, too. I think Sure, 100%. Yeah, finishing your career there, Christ's sake. Yeah. God knows who's going to be throwing them the football if Deshaun Watson doesn't play. Right. It's going to be some scrub, and they're going to suck. Yeah, they're going to be awful. I mean, they're going to be really awful. Yeah, it worked out for everybody, I guess. You have your ticket update. I have no idea what that means. I didn't put that in. <laughs> Maybe that's you. <laughs> I did not put that in there. Good I saw thing- it in there, but... Uh, Good thing we edit the now there podcast. Now there isn't. The ticket update is that there is no fucking ticket update. The end. I'm putting a quarter in the jar, and maybe I won't edit that out. <laughs> it has been an interesting, the NFL COVID policy is an interesting can of worms. What I read was if they have to not play a game, both teams lose their checks. Is that right? I think the intention is that the team that defaults ends up getting hit with the bill to cover the costs of the other team. So I think so. I think it's a double whammy. Not only do they have the game forfeited, but I think they end up with the potentially with the bill for the cost of the other team as well. Now, I, last year we said that exact thing, or I said it. I think teams should have to forfeit if whatever it is makes them not able to play whole playing on a Tuesday night because you couldn't get out of the strip club. That's nonsense. Like I'm not down for that. I think there's a reasonable efforts thing here that says if a team's taken all reasonable efforts to play the game and something's happened that can reasonably said it be said is beyond their control. I think that's one thing, but if you've got a bunch of players and I don't want to get into whether people should vax or shouldn't vax. um, But if you have a bunch of players don't vax when they have the opportunity to, and then, and then the team can't put forward a team, then that's inside the realm of being able to have reasonable efforts to make that game go ahead. And, and, I, and I, think they sh- I think they should forfeit it. You know, I really do. I mean, there's already rules, for example, that teams have to be in the city of where the game's played 18 hours before the game takes place. So in essence, the day before a game takes place. If they don't do that, 
you know, they could potentially forfeit the game for not for not doing that. So they have to make all reasonable efforts to to make that happen. So I think this is just another case of they have to make all reasonable efforts to make the game go ahead. I think the only reasonable effort they can make is required to be vaccinated. And I know I know we probably don't want to get okay. into it, but I mean, if I'm wrong, but if all these players who are coming out of college or wherever you come from, you're coming into the NFL, you're coming into the organization, the very first thing you do is you have to pass physical. Within that physical are immunizations that are required. Flu shot, hepatitis, you name it, right? I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to list them, but that all has to be in, in check, right? In order for you to be employed by this organization. This is no different, in my opinion. There's no different whatsoever. So to institute it and say, we're going to have a clean season in the NFL, you either vaccinate or you don't play. Done. Interestingly enough, the Minnesota Vikings are one of the least vaccinated teams in the NFL. Oh, and why? <laughs> because why? their leader. Well, so Mike Zimmer came out and was like, I don't get it. I don't understand why we're not doing this. And he was kind of and he didn't get real pissed, but he, he was clearly not happy that his team is in the situation that he is now. Kirk Cousins has said some very interesting things on social media lately, including that he would be okay with spending his practice time in the room in a plexiglass box rather than be like in the room. So instead of getting a fucking shot, you're going to be put yourself in a cage so that no one around you can get it. That is colossally fucking stupid to me. And I'm glad that Kirk Cousins is not our quarterback. I'll just say that. Lamar Jackson is also, you know, not going to get it. And, okay, it's a personal choice to a certain extent. He's had it twice. But he missed 10 days of camp already. And on upon coming back, says, we'll see. Uh, you're a fucking idiot. We'll see. What do you mean, we'll see? You had it twice. We're paying you, you, you're our guy. We're forming our entire organization around you. You want to come in and risk everybody else's lives because we'll see? Fuck off. Yeah, I don't get it. There have been 4 billion vaccination shots given in the world. No one has yet turned into a zombie yeah. or any of those things that you, so, you've seen. Uh, oh, jeez, <laughs> Peter, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll lose listeners for this, and I might eat some shit on social media, but I don't fucking get it at all. I mean, I, I don't really care. don't. Because yeah. it, it is a personal choice to a certain extent, but it also affects others. So the kids and I were in South Carolina. I couldn't believe how many people were wearing a mask, by the way. It was oh. a lot. A lot more than I expected. Because when I was in Florida a couple months ago, we were the only ones wearing yeah. it. So... It was very interesting to see how many people were wearing masks. So I'll, I'll give the folks around Charleston, you know, God bless you. You're doing a good job with the masks. But I just don't get it because yeah. these variants would stop, right? Yeah. Anybody in this room have fucking polio? No. You don't have polio because the vaccine worked yeah. and people got it. And they didn't, you know, research it. Well, there wasn't Facebook back then, but. You know what I mean? They didn't take their sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, brothers, whatever advice and not get it instead of the scientists who were talking about it. 
I know. I can't agree more. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think that's the difficult thing. It's like the Olympics coming along every four years, and suddenly I'm a, I'm an expert in taekwondo, sailing, skateboarding. What is it? Roman Greco wrestling. Greco Roman. Yeah, that's Greco it. That Roman. one. Yeah. <laughs> so Don't every all, all all of those things that I that I pay no heed to for for four years, all of a sudden I'm an expert in them, and that's that's what we get with all of this medical stuff on, on social media, wherever, wherever people sit on it, it's just ri- ridiculous. You know, there are oh, people yeah. that have spent their whole lives as epidemiologists or <laughs> pandemic pandemic experts or, or whatever, scientists, doctors. These are the people that we should be listening to, but... Well, we don't. I was talking with a friend of mine the other night, and he brought up a, an interesting uh, observation, I guess. And he's like, you know, I wonder if, if this all got off on the wrong foot maybe maybe they should have just called it the covid shot versus the covid vaccine somehow that's because like when you get a flu shot you get a flu shot right you get the hepatitis shot you get your your shot record maybe it's semantics or whatever but it seems like people are just like when they hear the word vaccine it's just like oh god it's like this big infringement on their personal rights all of a sudden they're going to get vaccinated you get a fucking shot and you help save your life and others, period. Stop talking about it. I think we're all on the same page. And if we're not, feel free to DM me and I will discuss it ad nauseum with you <laughs> as long as there's something Packer related in there. This is a little bit strange to me and, and maybe I'll be the only one to talk on this. So Devin Funches came out and said something that was remotely racist. I shouldn't say remotely because I guess it's in the ears of the perceiver, right? Whoever hears it. So to me, it wasn't all that serious, but let's, so he said something racist. We'll just say that Devin Funches on the cusp of maybe being cut. And we'll talk about that later. Said something that was offensive to Asian Americans. Now let's just leave it at that. David Bakhtiari eight days ago said the words Indian giver in a press conference which could be offensive to Native Americans. So let's just leave it at face value. Nobody interprets anything. Did anyone hear anything about the David Bakhtiari statement? I didn't. Fucking crickets. Exactly. That's my point. So the only place I want to go with this is that. Okay, Packer fan, if you're going to react to Devin Funches and you have the absolute right to do that, then you should also be reacting to David Bakhtiari and his statement. Because his statement is on the fringe of racist, just like the Devin Funches statement. So I'm, my only statement to that is, if you're going to put it on Devin Funches and say that he should be caught and that he's a racist and blah, 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 you have to be equal opportunity for everybody that says something stupid. Bakhtiari said something stupid, and there wasn't a word of it anywhere. In fact, I went onto Facebook. And we're still there, by the way, if you're following me. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> I went on to Facebook. I looked under his presser, Bakhtiari's presser. There were hundreds of comments. Hundreds. No one mentioned it. No one. Not one person said what he said in that press conference. And it was right at the end, so maybe they didn't catch it. No one said a word. I just think it's unfair to Devin Funches. If you're going to be word police, be word police to everybody. 
Either one of you want to comment on that? I'll just comment that that is some badass average cheese investigative reporting there. Because I would, <laughs> I would not have, like, I would not have uh, been able to do that I, one. So, cheers. I hundred percent agree, and I think in in this area, which is a particularly difficult area, the one thing you do have to be is consistent. You know, you absolutely, you absolutely have to be. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. Well, let's keep moving. 35,000 Packer fans showed up for family night in the rain to watch practice. It's not even a game anymore. They like Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball into the net. They do a little bit of scrimmaging and stuff. Dude, there's got to be like an F5 tornado heading in a direct line of sight to Lambo before people Otherwise, would not show up. Yeah. Before people would be like, Oh, what do you think? You know, before it's like too late. It's a concrete you know, stadium. We're fine. Yeah, like, we're good. I, well, you know, how most of them would be like, I want to die here. Fuck it. <laughs> Just mail it in. <laughs> I, I would. I mean, if, if, I, if I'm in the – seriously, if I'm in the stands and I'm staring down an F5 tornado and there's like – I'm going to be like, sweet. I'm going down. I'm, I'm going to the 50-yard line. Like, I'm going to get buried right in it, right in the center. You're going down with the Lambo Fuck yeah. Thing. I'm going to try to get a leap in. I'm going to do all kinds of fucking crazy shit. I'm going to run to the 50 yard line and I'm just going to be like, fuck it. Bury me right here. I'm done. Stake me in the ground. I don't think they put a gravestone on the 50, but all right. I could get like a T-dub or something on there. Who knows? Be awesome. Nothing. I wouldn't be the only one dead though. Right. I mean, there'd be thousands of people dead. So it'd be like a graveyard. I, it wouldn't grave. just be. Oh, it'd be a mass grave. <laughs> people dead in the stands. People dead on the field. All over the place. Concession oh. people are dead. There's like memorials everywhere around Lambeau. Thousands. Those little plaques. Uh, everywhere. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> it's reality. I mean, it. If you think about it, if you're actually sitting there, I'm not going to try to get out of Lambeau. I'm going to be like, huh. Right, because are you going to die I'll in the parking it. lot or something? Whatever, yeah. If I died, here is great. I mean, can't get much better. What the heck are they going to do with all those cars left in the parking lot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Just leave yeah. them there. They have to stay there. As <laughs> Yeah. They bronze them all, like, in place. There's, like, nowhere to fucking park in that way anymore. Cause they're just, like, bronze cars immortalized in the fucking parking lot. And if that's going to happen, there's no there's no point going to the pro shop before the game, is it? Oh fuck no! No, you just go and visit all the immortalized people and cars all over the place. Yeah, the same kind of bronze statue. Yeah. Right, you and Curly Lambo have your bronze statue at Lambo Field. I wouldn't be if outside. Yours is your car. That dude's outside the stadium. I'd be bronze inside because that's where I'd, that's where I'd go down. That's where you'd go. Yeah, right there at the fifty. That would be a little awkward for play for gameplay. Yeah. But you know, everyone would have the same idea. So it'd be like almost like a mosh pit towards the 50 yard line. Right. It would be oh. okay. We're I'm done. Cause I guess well, I've been drinking too much. I got weird thoughts going through my mind. Todd's going to die at the 50 at Lambeau. If there's an F five tornado during family night and he is somehow within the stadium range. Perfect. Perfect. So on August 19th, they're going to come up with their alternative uniforms. Peter, have you put any thought into what you'd like to see in regards to what those uniforms would look like? I like the old blue ones that they've got, the blue, the blue and gold from the 
late 20s, I guess. I like I like those ones. I, I don't know. I don't know what else they've got. I guess they've got the original green and gold, which came, came in the 30s or 40s, whenever that was. Um, but no, I don't. I'm not into all of this alternative jerseys, alternative uniforms, and heck, just just have you just have the traditional pack of colours. And I know it's a big thing, and everybody's looking forward to what it's to what it's going to be. But it's, it's weird too. It's like the way the NFL treats it. It's like there's no consistency because like some one team will have like their regular uniform on for that year, and they're playing someone in their fucking throwbacks. I've seen that. That's just kind of yeah, that's even more awkward. Put a little bit of thought into it. Maybe it's because I've seen it on social media. I'd love them for them to have a different colored helmet. And I know that's not jersey, and I know that would be extremely expensive, but it is an NFL franchise. So it's not like they don't have the cash. I'd love to see the Packer G on maybe a black helmet or something. Just something totally different. Or black jerseys for if it's an alternate just for the one year. Just, like a black, like a blackout jersey. Yeah, I think they sell something similar to that, don't they? In the pro shop. I just tried to win a Charles Woodson signed black helmet from somebody, which would be awesome. Packer Hall of Famer, even though it shows up as a Raider on the Hall of Fame materials, which is kind of BS. Not to get too, that? not to get too far off track, but I do have to mention I watched a little bit of the Hall of Fame ceremony. Did you watch any of it? Not, not one minute. Okay, I. I literally tuned in for about like 10 minutes and um, Al Davis's son that was there, dude, he looks like he came right off the cast of Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you you got it. Like Google search it. I'm swear to God, Google search it right now. He's got the, the fucking bowl cut and he just looks like he looks like a fucking crazy person. You got to Google search it like Hall of Fame. Al Davis's son, and you look, you see the picture, and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> look at that dude. <laughs> when you're a billionaire, you can get get a hairstylist. You gotta see it. You gotta I'm see doing, it. I was just I'm like, Googling it as we speak. <laughs> okay, now we just wait for laughter because you're gonna <laughs> when I typed in Al Davis son, hair is the first thing. <laughs> there, you there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Dude, what? I mean, he, he literally <laughs> fell right out of the cast of Dumb and Dumber. He lit, like, it's just fucking crazy. I mean, I saw, I was just, I, and they had the camera on him, like, for a while, because uh, Tom Flores, the yeah. famous Raiders coach, was, yeah. was being inducted. What a great guy, by the way. But, uh, like, so Flores is, Al Davis's wife is there, and they, like, flashed over to Davis's son. He's like, just kind of like looking days like drugged out of his fucking mind with this bull haircut. Oh my God. It looked like if you took like uh, Chucky and you just gave him a bull haircut and aged him about 25 more years or put him in the, you know, put him in the back of the oven for another 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, it, it was just weird. I was like, who the fuck is that? Oh my God. That guy is like, am I watching Dumb and Dumber or is this the fucking Hall of Fame? That is outstanding. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Wow. Speaking We're not of, even through this yet. Speaking yeah. of, I know the amount of times you've cussed today, Todd, is spectacular. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. You. I'm going to run out of quarters at some point, but that's fine. So speaking of billionaires, I saw that the Packers, all NFL teams increased in value 
during the pandemic, which is very surprising to me. Packers are worth $3.475 billion, according to Forbes, I think it was. I don't know what, but no, it's it's value, right? So it's the brand, the TV contract, the land, Lambeau Field, all those kind of things I think are is what it's worth. Peter, any thoughts on any of that stuff besides Al Davis's son's hair? (laughs) I've got nothing on hair. (laughs) <laughs> um, other than other than I didn't have a single gray hair before I started coming on this podcast. Now look at it. <laughs> yeah, we've ruined you. This is just for men. Get that. <laughs> I'm also going gray, so yeah, get it. It's yeah, it's interesting. They were all increased in value. I guess, like you say, it, it it is about the brand. It is about real estate and TV contracts and everything else. So I saw that the pack is actually lost money in terms of the year although because of their investments they actually didn't lose money they lost working revenue last year so i mean i think you know i don't know what an nfl franchise cost when jerry jones bought the cowboys all those years ago in the late in the late 80s but it's gone up in value a lot since then they're in fact the number one nfl franchise their stadium is worth over a billion dollars all by itself so that helps I, I thought it was like six and a half billion the Cowboys are worth, something along those lines. I guess in that instance, you know, the, the Cowboys own the stadium, which is different to the Packers because it's owned by the city of Green Bay rather than the Packers themselves. And I guess that's the case in, in quite a number of situations across the NFL where, where the ball club actually doesn't own the stadium that they're in. Jerry's a good businessman, nothing else. Can't win, but there is that. So I had the opportunity to go up to camp, I think it was last Tuesday. Something like that. It was fun. I hadn't been to Packers training camp since I was a kid. And it has certainly changed since the mid-80s, how they do things and what it looks like. But it was awesome. I got there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, they start practice at 10.10. And I got, no, I was earlier than that. I probably got there at 9.30. We watched the bikes roll by. I took a picture and sent Todd's favorite player, Dean Lowry, riding across <laughs> it with his 94. I told you to throw something in the spokes. <laughs> i did Dump not do that because i i had already paid like six dollars for a water bottle i was not going to waste that six dollar water bottle on dean lowry's spoke. i would have paid you back <laughs> so we got to the stands where you know outside they basically have a football field right that they practice on yeah and is we, it just like walk right up it's like a, a wayside of a high school bleachers i'd say there's probably seven or eight yeah. rows that go the entire length of the practice field, which is, I don't know. It's, I think it's a little bit longer than hundred yards, but I could be wrong. Cause there's yeah. a goalpost in the middle of it, but we had to stand in line. Mm. We, we did not get in immediately. So we wow. stood in line for like 15 minutes. Does before it cost we money? got in. Hmm? Does it cost money? No, it's free. Yeah. Oh. It was free, but they only let a certain amount of people right. in. Right. They <clears> can't. Yeah. I wonder if that's for COVID or is that how they, they have to regulate it somehow, right? You can't let that many people. I assume it's for COVID. I also slapped the average cheese uh, cling on my forehead and tried to get in as one of the was... press. Oh, didn't really? Work. Didn't work. Oh, I'm shocked. They're like, sir, huh. really? I was, yeah, I was going to say, it was either either they only let a limited number in or they saw who it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, I was wearing my shirt and an average cheese in the cling. I got you know, yeah. on my forehead right there. That guy's not getting in. They're like, no. <laughs> Dude, where's your pencil? Rob Domofsky has a pencil. Where's yours? I'm like, I just keep it all up here. And they're like, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> Go back with the fans, fool. What do they know? Yeah. 
Right. I was taking notes along with Nat, Matt Schneidman and all the rest of the wonks. I just had to do it with the masses. Yeah. yeah. I was one of the people. I was a man of the people that day. You're going to let us in on some of the notes that you took? Yeah. The scoop? I, I, yeah, what's yeah. what's it uh what's it well you described like what it's like getting in and then like who caught your eye first i guess where, where'd you start with you know looking at where'd your attention go first dean yeah, dean, Lowry, dean lowry dean lowry well we already talked about tyler lancaster how fat those two fucks are oh it was interesting because where we were sitting was basically right in the middle so they break the at least the part of practice where we finally got in on one side was like the linemen, linebackers, and they were doing one on ones with the you know, offensive, defensive linemen. And on the other side, they were doing with the receivers and the defensive backs. And I chose to really kind of focus my attention on the line, on the offensive mm-hmm. line and the defensive line. Yeah, I wish I could have watched both ways, but you know, a train of thought and my attention spans like about three seconds. So I got to stay on the stuff that's happening immediately. A couple of things I thought were interesting and it might've just been the day, but Kenny Clark at the first, like I just sat down and Kenny Clark just whipped the rookie center. I mean, really remember how Montrevious Adams would just oh, snap and Olay the guy. I literally yeah. sat down and that's what was happening. Kenny Clark was snap whipping him by and was like, whoa, that's our starting center. That's the first thing I thought was, what? that's not good. That can't be good. Other observations from that, Cole Van Lannen is cut. <laughs> if, to, yeah. if that day was any indication of how good he is. You were saying he, that in the draft, when we did the draft show. I remember you talking about it. We were, and I'm not piling on from that. Like the couple reps I watched and they weren't against, you know, Kenny Clark. They were against guys who may not make the team because they're one-on-ones. His lack of athleticism is glaring. I mean, if you're playing guard in the NFL and you're playing against the tackle, they can't run real wide against you because there's too many bodies in the way. But on -on one-on-ones, there's more of a free reign to run and he couldn't stay with anybody. Another thing from that, that drill too was Kamal Martin got hurt. And I thought he, I thought he tore his ACL, honestly. But the other thing from that is he is running with the outside linebackers. Really? And that can't be a good thing for Kamal Martin. If they are trying to find another place for him to be on the football field, to me, that means that they don't have a whole lot of confidence in him inside. And they've already feel like they've found something better. And I don't know what that might be, Levandre Campbell or whatever. I mean, maybe they think he's the player. But him being pushed outside, especially with the talent the Packers have outside. Right. I was just going to say, where is he fitting that? He's got to be like seventh on the depth chart inside yeah. and outside. Those were like the, from that drill. That Those were the couple of things that I saw that I was not impressed. I thought Royce Newman was better than I thought. I watched him a couple of times because I was trying to pay attention to guys that I thought, you know, Guys that we had, you all of us had kind of beat up on Royce Newman. Um, but guys like that, I was trying to pay attention to. John Dietzen, I, I don't, was he there? I don't, honestly don't know what number he was. So maybe that's a good thing for him. The other rookie from Wisconsin, because you kind of tend to realize like who is playing awesome or who is getting their tail smashed in. 
So maybe he was holding his own. I don't know. That day, uh, the Guara and Daphne were both on the side. That's also something that I, I watched. I, uh, the Guara is back, and I think Daphne is also now back in the is practice. Is the Guara, like, limited back? Or is he, like, 100%? That day, he was no helmet, no pads, nothing. Just shorts really? and a jersey, and so was Daphne. They were just off on the side catching footballs. Peter, maybe you know. Do you know if the Guara was a full participant in practice recently i don't know i don't know if he was a full participant but they've taken him off the pup list haven't they so he's now able able to fully practice so yeah i mean i, I guess with the being hurt daphne being hurt sternberger out for the first couple of games uh, they need to get the and daphne back as quick as quickly as they can because you've got to imagine that they're going into the season i think with four tight ends plus sternberger on the on the list so i think if one of those guys wasn't able to go i think they'd be looking for another one yeah, and they did sign Daniel Crawford. So Bailey Gaither retired, I think, the day before we got up there. Right. He, heard you, he heard, heard you were going to be there, didn't he? Yeah, and I already <laughs> had said, oh, I thought he was going to be okay. And I also didn't know that he was like 115 years old. He had a red shirt and a medical red shirt at San Jose State. So I think he was like 26 or something like that already. <laughs> so he's older, he's older than Kenny Clark, who has been on the Packers roster for, what, six years or seven years now? Maybe he just decided I've had enough football. So they did put another tight end on the roster, to, yeah. and I guess he's been okay. And I, and I think that whole offensive line group is going to be one to watch as we head into the preseason on Saturday yeah. because, because you know, there's 10, 11, 12 guys probably going for nine roster spots, I, I, I would guess it is, maybe 10. But there's a whole bunch of guys there, but certainly from about, you know, the sixth guy to the 12th or 13th guy on the roster is going to be a really interesting battle there to see who makes the roster. And so many of those guys can play multiple positions as well, which makes it even more interesting. So I think that's certainly something to watch on Saturday. One of the things, too, that I re- was looking at was guys were moving around. Left guard, right guard, they're putting guys in all kinds of positions. With Bakhtiar being out, Jenkins is out at left tackle, and he's spectacular out there, by the way. Yeah. He is like a wall of stone. He is the, I've said it before, he is going to play right tackle. And maybe if he's still around Bakhtiari, this contract runs up, maybe he's the left tackle of the future. He's that freaking good. And in his absence, Runyon was the, with the ones at left guard and Patrick was the right guard. But Ben Braden, who is like an afterthought guy, has been getting a yeah. lot of run with the yeah. ones at both sides and i think that they're actually trying to see if he can play center too which is sort of interesting like it's it goes right to what you said peter it's not a given that lucas patrick makes the team i don't think he will yeah go ahead well no i mean it's it's that's almost unthinkable when you got to the end of last season you know i had a solid year starting at uh, right guard and has been around for a long time and he's your backup center and, and and all of that stuff but with the way things are looking yeah it I would put his chances at probably 50-50 right now. Same. I think because he's got a decent salary behind his name, that that has to play into it too. And and I think they are looking at guys to replace Lucas Patrick right now. It's a similar competition to last year, only it seems this year is a little bit more intense for sure. Like there, there's more guys. There's a, They've definitely upgraded the talent level. So the competition's a little bit stiffer this year for sure. Yeah, and, and I think the question mark over when Bakhtiari is back just yeah. adds it just adds into that whole yep. mix, you know. 
You know, is he going to be back for week one? It doesn't feel like it right now. But, you know, does he remain on the pup list, which puts him out for the first six weeks? Do they take him off that list? Make the 53? Does he go on an injured reserve after so they can bring him back at any time? It's going to be a whole really interesting. And like you say, because with that question mark, you they've got Elton Jenkins out at left tackle, and that just opens things up for for others. And with the with the signing of the guy from Tennessee, yeah, uh, Dennis Kelly, basically taking on the, the role that Rick Wagner had last year. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you throw Billy Turner into that mix. The guys that you've mentioned, the Royce Newmans of this world, John Runyon. Ben Braden, it's who's your backup center? We know Jenkins can do that job, but who who would they ideally like as their backup center? You know, behind behind Myers, it's going to be really interesting. If you are versatile, you stand a chance on that squad. Period. Yep. Right. You, yep. you can't be a one dimensional. I only play tackle, or I only play the right side kind of guy. You've got to be able to shift around side to side, position to position, and if you are, that's going to put you higher up in trying to even make that squad. If you're not, you're not going to be a part of that. I would venture to say if you can't play more than one position, you're probably cut. Yeah. Because there are Absolutely. too many guys on that Maybe line. with the exception of center. Maybe. No. Maybe. I mean, other than Myers, I think Myers, yes. Myers only has to play center. But I think if you are a backup at one of those positions, you better be able to play center or guard or guard tackle. I think yeah. otherwise you're, you're not as valuable and you're cut. That's just my opinion. But I... It seemed like as I was watching practice, that's what they were looking at. Moving guys around the line. Also, you know, watching Amari Rogers take, you know, return kicks. Devin Funches back returning kicks. Like they had all kinds of guys. Randall Cobb, not Randall Cobb, you know, is not going to return punts and no, kicks. He's he too old for that. But he was back there. I really think that the Packers are looking at guys like, okay, We'll talk about this later. Our sixth wide receiver needs to be able to do something more or he has to go. And if you're not versatile at any position, you got to go. I think that's the entire roster. This is too talented of a roster. It's Lafleur's philosophy across the board, probably. I mean, you got to be able to do more than than one thing uh, with your role, whether it's your, your physical skills or multiple positions. It's kind of the way he's he's sculpted everything. And we will cut it off there. And episode 49 will be the back half of this podcast. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.